Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We are still dealing with the fallout of Nick Saban's sudden retirement from Alabama, or maybe not so sudden as we discussed last week. If you want to hear our greater scale thoughts on everything happening there, feel free to go listen to that. We're not going to rehash it here tonight. Um, but still a, a couple of major news items, and that's what we're going to leave the show off here with. Um, but uh, before we do that, Colin, um, you know, how's uh, how's it going? Nice. Uh, you've got the the robe on tonight. Mm -hmm. It's I'm assuming it's as cold there as it is here. Um, it is. It yeah. is. It was a little warmer today overall. So some of the snow melted, but we. Oh, how much I did you guys get Central PA? Uh, I just probably got like, sorry. We probably got like six inches. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, we got a lot. Wow! All right. Wow! And it was like a lot to you. <laughs> it's a lot to my wife. Um, but I have a feeling she's gonna want me to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> she won't listen. Uh, but yeah, we got um, snow two days. So we got it on Tuesday. We we got like a hit with a pretty decent storm, and then we got hit again on Friday, uh, and it all just kind of accumulated. So we have a bunch here. Uh, it started to melt a little bit today, though, so it was a little warmer, but it is still pretty cold. Nice. We did not get nearly that much. That is one thing that has really surprised me. I grew up like you did in central PA, and every couple of years you get like a real big snow, you know, like 18 inches plus. <laughs> um, and moving to Pittsburgh, I'd always thought like out here was snowier. It is not snowy. <laughs> You guys get so much more snow than we do out here. And that just shot. I know if I go north toward Erie, that's when I start getting yeah. some more snow. You get that lake just, effect. Su surprising to me that we get like nothing here. So, I mean, thank God. I, I, not that I hate shoveling, um, but, you know, if I don't, nobody have to enjoys shovel, shoveling. But, you know, I don't mind it. You've seen where my, you've seen my parents' house before. Mm -hmm. My parents, I grew up like very rural PA. Um, we grew up in like four acres. We have a huge driveway. And we'd shovel like a, not all of it, but a fair portion of, uh, of everything there. Um, so I don't mind it that much. And we actually discussed this this week. This was a big argument in our Slack this week, the company Slack, about the Bills game where they had fans come in and shovel the stadium for $20 an hour. And people were, we were arguing about whether $20 an hour is enough. Now, I'm not saying as a grown adult, with the amount of money that like we would make as a salary, the $20 like would make us, you know, feel warm and fuzzy inside. Of course not. But college me would have, I, like I would still do it like grant, but like college me would have like been all about going to the, you know, if I lived in Pittsburgh, going to the Steeler stadium and digging it out for 20 bucks an hour, like, hell yeah, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't, uh, the, the people yeah. that were poo pooing that in our group, I was just like, man, you guys, you know, didn't you remember your youth? Nah. The Southerners didn't get it. They're like two inches well, of snow yeah. and I'm like dead. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, the thing with that is, like you said, like being young and like you would get some buddies and go do that together. Like that would be cool. Or it's just people who are like super fans and they would probably end up doing it for free. But the bills. <laughs> I'll will pay, pay you them. to shovel your snow, Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> like they just want to be in the stadium kind of a deal. Like those are the type of people who get it. So like it's fine. I, I don't think it's. I heard they couldn't give tickets anymore, but just shovel it and then hide in the stadium somewhere and pop back out. You know, there's people that were not showing up there. I mean, they yeah. didn't even shovel half the stadium out, and people were like, like leaning yeah. back in the snow, like laying like four seats wide because there were so many people <laughs> out there. So, um, 
that was that was it was interesting so i was uh, give us your thoughts if you would dig out your favorite team stadium let's say a foot of snow twenty dollars an hour um would you do it uh the the what the wind with the wind chill the weather is no colder than 15 degrees fahrenheit that's those are the parameters we'll give you and it's not like super super windy would you would you do that how long would you be willing to do it for uh if you're in our discord shoot a message in there or uh tag us on on twitter with a uh, your your thoughts on that i I'm, I'm curious to hear um i think a lot of our our listeners are southerners <laughs> they might not quite yeah uh, it might not be the same thing. You don't get those psychos that are from, you know, Maine that are shoveling 50 yeah. inches of snow a year with like a smile on their face. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, enough about that. Let's hop into some player news here. In literally everything we're going to talk about tonight is from the Arizona, Washington, Alabama uh, trifecta yep. um, that, that we got last week. Um, and I, the biggest one is Julian Sayan. Five-star quarterback won the Elite 11 competition this year. Um, a very, if you're not familiar with that, uh, very kind of prestigious high school quarterback competition. Um, a rising seniors essentially go participate. They have like regional camps. The best there go to the national camp, and then they have like a you know skills competition, 77 um, stuff like that, and then uh, they they basically have like a score uh, for the winner. So. Um, he won it this year. Some other guys that have won it in the past, um, uh, Caleb Williams, Kate Klubnick. Um, who else has won it in the past? Who won it over um, Ewers this year? Or was that Klubnick? No. Because he reclassified. Did you, would, Ewers have, would Ewers have even done it because he skipped his senior year? Oh, maybe he, he didn't. Really maybe he didn't. Um, Did CJ Stroud win it? I feel like Stroud. Uh, uh, who else was in his class? DJU Bryce Young. Yeah, yeah, I think CJ Stroud did win. I'm pretty sure Stroud won that. So, but yeah, it's a. It doesn't automatically mean you're going to be great, but you know, it's a. Uh, oh, Jackson Arnold won last year. Did you mention him? Uh, no, I didn't. So, um, yeah, they uh, they were there. I'm looking. I'm looking up a, a list of winners right now. Um. So, oh, of course, Wikipedia breaks it down by year. We don't care. <laughs> we just want the winners. Um, so, yeah, Jackson Arnold, uh, Kate Klubnick, um, Caleb Williams. I'm just going back the, the years here. Uh, the year before that was CJ Stroud. The year before that was... Well, now they've got all their achievements on here, so now I have to sift through all these achievements. <laughs> Uh, it's a pretty good crop that is it is. Yeah, that's a crop. That's, that's I a was crop. thinking the same exact thing. Spencer Rattler. Um, so it's not 100%, <laughs> but it's pretty good. Um, it's it's pretty good. Justin Fields won it his year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's usually the winner is somebody who's goes on to do pretty good things. Tua won it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. uh, the, the especially the past 10 15 years, they've been pretty good about uh identifying a legitimate. NFL draft prospects. So Julian Sayan won it this year, uh, committed to Alabama. Um, we had talked, you know, I don't know, with the rise of Jalen Milrow, I don't know that he would have played for sure this year, but I definitely think mm -hmm. if Milrow wasn't amazing, 
all other things considered, I could have seen Kalen DeBoer maybe trying to dip into some of the backups there just to see what they had and if they fit what he wanted a little bit more or what we think he wants a little bit more. Um, but say under the portal, um, there were rumors about Georgia. I think there were rumors about USC, um, rumors about LSU, which made no sense. Um, but he's going to Ohio State now. Um, so I think, you know, they probably the heir apparent there. They have Will Howard who they brought in this year. He has one year of eligibility left and then he's gone. I mean, is it presumptuous to say that Saiyan's probably the next guy there? I, I, I don't think they would have anything unless they dip into the portal again. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know that what else would, would be in front of them at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, like I said, one of my biggest takeaways this year is to not put all my eggs in the succession plan basket. Um, I would say logically Saiyan makes the most sense as the next guy up there for me. Uh, it really would not surprise me to see one or both of uh, Devin Brown and Lincoln Kineholtz hit the portal uh, at, in this at, like post spring, because I imagine Will Howard's going to get that job. So a Devin Howard, if he doesn't, or Devin Brown, if he doesn't leave, like, is he ever going to play? Um, the answer would probably be no. Same at Lincoln Kineholtz, kind of the same thing. But even if the even if those two do stick around. I think Julian Sane is pretty darn near perfect for Ohio State. Um, I think he kind of fits what Ryan Day had been trying to do with his quarterbacks in the fact that, you know, he kind of kept fields contained. He kind of kept CJ Stroud contained, which makes you seem to believe that he doesn't really want his quarterbacks running. That's not saying um, he's got good mobility and he can extend plays, but he's not really like a runner but I think he's really polished as a passer. Um, you know, I think he's good enough, more than good enough arm strength. I think he throws with touch to all three levels of the field really well. Um, and I think he maneuvers the pocket, feels the pressure uh, really well too. So I think he's a good fit there at Ohio State. And if you made me pick somebody today, he would be my pick for who would take over after Howard. Well, they've kind of told us what they think of the other guys there, right? With Devin Brown's usage, and then um, when they put kind they they put kind holes in the bowl game, right, and then refused to throw it. Essentially, was is my, is my recollection of yeah they threw the ball out. ten yeah they threw it ten times yeah. So I mean, I, there's there's you know a freshman not being ready, um, but right. also just you know just obviously avoiding throwing the, the QB ball th he was the QB three going so. into this year. Kind holes yeah. was. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a, a mid four star kid. If he's, I think for a lot of these guys, if you're good enough at the end of year one in an offense, if I can't put you in a game and you can't look competent, I think we might have a little bit of worry. So I just just the way high school football is now, and the seventy seventh circuit and all that other crap. That if you're so, um. You know, some, I mean, some guys need a little bit longer, but, you know, especially a guy like Kineholz, not like he was this raw, he wasn't Malik Murphy, you know. He was coming out of South Dakota, though. So was it South Dakota or North Dakota? I think South. Uh, one of the Dakotas. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, he was not playing a particularly high level of competition. I think he was like the most athletic player on the field, like at all times. How much do you think he regrets not going to Washington State? Which is where he was supposed to go before he flipped kind of last minute. 
Um, I don't think if I'm him, I don't regret that that much just because of the things that have shaken out with the, uh, with Washington State. But he would be the presumptive starter at this point. Yeah, I mean, word gone. Yeah. So you yeah. can say that as something. But like Washington State's not really power five anymore. So like I think he could still go take a G5 job if he if if Kineholtz wanted to play. Seems like for a lot of these guys, it might be better to um, go to aim slightly lower for the original stops as to not expose yourself at the higher level. I don't know. Food for thought. We can talk about that later. Mm -hmm. um, so saying, you know, I don't think we anticipate him playing at all this year um, unless there's a string of injuries like they had this year at the position slash, you know, whatever else going on. Um, but just something to, to keep an eye on, you know, Ohio State is uh, the the offseason champ this year, it sounds like, um, and say in a, a large part of that. And we'll see. I think It's very, very interesting. I do think Ohio State's a good spot for him. Yeah. I have some more questions, it sounds like, than you do about his game because um, I did not see a guy who works very well off script. In fact, I think he kind of stinks at it. Um, so I'm – I think that's kind of a big thing. Like, and you can either do that or you can't. I'm not sure that he can. He tried to do some like funky, you know, kind of like jump past stuff and stuff at Elite 11, but like in real life, he's not managed to do any of that. No. And, and by like maneuvering the pocket well, like, I mean, I think within the structure of the offense, I think he steps up well. He knows when to kind of slide out and escape a little bit. But when he escapes and when he does break contain, I, he doesn't really look to run much. He's not overly creative so i get what you're saying with that but i thought he in in the pocket inside of structure i thought he did really well which is kind of what i think they want at ohio state like i think they want you operating that offense and i think he can do that because i do think he's has really good ball placement um so he's going to osu to join you know quinchon and Emeka who stayed and um travion who stayed and and all the other additions that they have uh, there this year, a couple on the offensive line. Um, the other big news that I think is uh, more impactful in the immediate future is uh, the fact that Noah Fafita, starting quarterback last year at Arizona, and their star receiver, Ted McMillan, are both staying at Arizona. They released a, I guess they do a podcast. I, I was not aware. Uh, they do a podcast everybody, together. Everybody has a podcast nowadays. I, yeah, I don't know why I didn't do. just assume that those two probably have a podcast yeah. together. Because um, they, they, you know, knew each other from high school and everything. Um, but they had said, you know, well, we don't, you know, stay tuned. Like, you know what, there's, there's no sense in moving. And then they, they announced that they are coming back. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting that Arizona offense, uh, big blow to Washington, who literally has one quarterback on the roster. We're going to talk about him here in a second. <laughs> and that would, is where we kind of assumed those two would be headed. Washington also loses, um, Jeremy Bernard, who we're going to talk about here in a second, who was the other kind of wide receiver they thought we thought could uh, be a factor there. They've lost their three starters from this year. Um, they, they're starting running back Dylan Johnson's gone. Um, so a big keep for Arizona, who I think is one of the favorites in the Big 12 next year and a big loss, presumptively, for Washington, who now is really going to be left scrambling at this point in terms of filling out the skill positions on that roster. Yeah. Yeah, they will. I mean, you know, the, I talked about last week, like Jaden Delara being like a potential break glass in case of emergency option. And then like a day or two later, he ends up at Texas state. So that's off the table now. I mean, quarterback wise, if they don't 
convince Will Rogers to come back, they're kind of going to be in trouble. I do like Jed Fish as like his offenses, and I think he could be. I think he will get Washington back on track, but next year could be a rough year with the way that this portal shakes out, um, especially at the quarterback position. I think there are wide receiver wise, they still have Jeremiah Hunter. It sounds like he's staying. I have not heard that he's in the portal. I think that's solid. Um, I like Denzel Boston. Is he ready to step in and be like a number two in an offense? I don't know at this point. Um, and they have a couple other guys that they brought in, you know, over the last year or two. I don't think there's anybody, any world beaters there, but there's a couple other players in the portal still. So they could round that out and not be terrible at this wide receiver position. Um, but the quarterback position is going to be really key for them. And that's not looking too good at all. Yeah. Really, really great keep for Arizona. Um, and uh, I'm assuming they're probably paying them some money, right? You would almost think they'd have to be because I, I know you said Arizona like might be one of the presumptive favorites in the Big 12, but mm-hmm. I think they're going to take a step back next year without fish. Um, some of that continuity is gone. I mean, they lose the staff, mm-hmm. but they keep a lot of the team. They bring back a, a large portion of that roster from last year. They do lose also their, you know, their uh, Jonah Coleman, who we thought was going to be their starting running back. Um, and I think Rayshon Luke entered the portal as well. Not that I think, I mean, but whatever. Cowing, Cowing leaves too. So it's really kind of just Tet. I think they have some other receiver options there though. Like I think they've got, um, uh, Lamonius Craig that brought in last year, who I think is going to step up and I'm blanking on the other kid that they have there that when I saw that he was there, I was like, I think, I think he's going to end up doing pretty well. Um, but I, I have no idea. Do we, do we have access? To, you have access to, to Nick's updated sheets. Can I have access to Nick's updated sheets? Um, man, see, I don't know if I can. Yeah, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. It's the there's a very select group of us here in the 2024 sheets as we're rounding these out, um, which is very exciting. Actually, we are doing some major work behind the scenes on those. But um, in terms of wide receivers that they have um returning are you thinking uh they have kevin green jr why are we playing like this is guess who colin does he have blonde hair is he I six foot two or taller I, this I, is I, what i, I feel like we're doing right now I don't know. okay i mean I, I was just gonna you know throw out a couple of names see if you could figure out who the other guy is but that's all right Okay, you could just give me the list. Okay, whatever. No, that's cool. No, whatever. No, that's they have somebody right. else there who I think is going to be good. They're gonna. I think they're going to be fine. And they're going to be fine. The Big Twelve is a lot of um, like fun teams, solid teams, like top. Like I think they're going to have a lot of teams between like sixteen and twenty-five next year, but nobody that's really better than that. So miss me with Kansas State. I know they're an early favorite, but I don't. I think see it's that. Utah. I don't see that. Um, people are people are big on Kansas State. I, I've seen that too. I I think it's Utah. I think that's the the answer in the Big Twelve. I think people are just assuming this is totally not what we want to talk about here. I think people are assuming that Avery Johnson's just going to step in there and be better than Will Howard, and we still have no idea if he can throw a football. Like yeah. outside of that one five touchdown game that he had last year where he ran a wild, I'm not 
like just necessarily saying there's there's no uh, downgrade there at quarterback. I'm really not sure. I don't think he's terrible, but I mean we just don't know. So I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but enough about that. Um, other news here, as we kind of hinted at, Jeremy Bernard, who was supposed to be at Washington. Uh, was originally at Michigan State, follows Kalen DeBoer to Alabama. I think it's an interesting one because I think uh, – I, I don't know how to do anything here other than read between the lines and say that Kalen DeBoer at least values him enough to have picked up the phone and called him and got him to Alabama. I've got to figure that he, at worst, is playing the role that he played last year, if not something a little bit bigger than that. Would you – I don't – I think that's a fair. I'm not saying he's going to step in there and be the wide receiver one, but I think I think it's pretty meaningful that that DeBoer, uh, you know, called him up and, and he's following him there. Yeah, I mean, this is something we'll talk about uh, a little bit later on in the show too, in a different segment. But yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that it's definitely meaningful. He, DeKalen DeBoer, has recruited Jeremy Bernard now twice. Wants to Washington uh, from Michigan State, and now again from Washington to Bama. And despite the th- trio of wide receivers that were there at Washington last year, they're all, all of them are going to get drafted this year. Rome's probably for look, Rome's looking at a first round and the other two probably day two, early day three at worst. Like, and he was still doing some work on the field, you know, like he's still got a decent amount of work. So I think that shows DeBoer values him and likes him. Like you said, so I, I, would plug him in as a starter pretty confidently. And then is he going to be their wide receiver one? I don't know. I think it's hard to say, but I don't know who else it would be. It's like him and then Jalen Hale, potentially like we talked about last week. Yeah. Kobe, Kobe Prentice is the other name that comes to mind just as like, he's there and he's kind of one of the more experienced guys. Um, Other, other players on the team, you know, Kendrick law is there. Um, they do bring in one or two other freshmen this year, but I don't think, I don't think we thought that much of them. I know the one kid is from like Bishop McDevitt or something. He's from PA. Oh. Yeah. He's like the 50th wide receiver in the class or something. Not particularly good. Um, I don't know why these PA receivers go down to Bama. There's been a couple over the years and they, none of them ever work out there. Um, yeah. It's just, they're just not like the, the ones that are going down there are not that level of kid. Um so yeah, I don't. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see, um, for sure. Um, but it does sound like the way the quarterback situation is shaking out there, with Sayin gone, behind Milrow, is it Austin Mack? You asked the question, not me. You know, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. You were you were you asked you asked it. You know, you poo pooed me a little bit last week with Austin Mack, and I think I was more of a believer in Mac than you were. And Felix also likes Mac, which makes me feel better about liking Mac because, and I know he's going to listen to this, so I'll have to just kind of admit it. But Felix is a pretty good eye for, for quarterbacks. Um, he has, you know, hit on some guys over the past couple of years here. Um, so it makes me feel a little bit better. But I will say... This, if you are skeptical on Mac and if or and or if you subscribe to the philosophy that you do where you know you kind of trade these quarterbacks up into another asset before 
you kind of see what they have and before you risk them losing a significant amount of value, this would be the time to do it with Mac. As he is going to Alabama, looking like the heir apparent there behind Milrow, because I think we can confidently say Ty Simpson, not it. Dylan Lonergan, not really a big fan. Lonergan's the one who stayed, right? Holstein went to Pitt. Lonergan stayed, and I think Lonergan, he doesn't know DeBoer's offense. So, you know, check mark for Austin Mack there, but I don't think he's a less talented player by any stretch than Austin Mack. Um, and maybe he had no option to keep Julian Sain from the start. Like, let's just assume that Sain was only there for Nick Saban. And once Saban was out, he was out no matter what. But I just find it wild that someone could watch those two players and say, yeah, I'll just keep I'll keep Austin Mack here. I don't uh, I, I won't work to keep Julian Sain. That's just wild to me. But I, it's been yeah. funny watching Alabama fans like the big Alabama fan accounts already saying like, wow, if he thinks that Austin Mack is so much better than Julian Sain, then how good is Austin Mack? Like, it's awesome watching the, the 180 that some of these people take on this stuff. Yeah, I, I'm not going that far. I do think Julian Sane is a better player than Austin Mack. So um, I think DeBoer is also smart enough that he would see that. I am kind of operating on the assumption, under the assumption that Sane was just going to, once Saban left, just enter the portal and see what he could get. And Ohio State comes knocking. It's hard to say no. The big thing that I have against Mack is that he just hasn't played very much. I think that's always really, really bad if you just haven't played very much. I mean, all these quarterbacks that we've watched just haven't played that much. The majority of them just do not work out early. There's just not not enough reps there. So, um, plus his odd build and all that other stuff. Um, kind of an awkward athlete. We'll see. We'll see. Not uh, not loving it right now. Um, Jonah Coleman, as we mentioned, uh, left Arizona at the portal. He is going to Washington. Um interesting move i don't i washington's gonna have a tough time next year in the big 10 like i I just think let's let's just call it like it is i'm not feeling like amazing at this point about that offense because they might be ruling out a true freshman quarterback demond williams who also has uh transferred from arizona to to washington now williams is a fun player and i have him i'm pretty sure within my top 10 or so quarterbacks in the class but to ask him as a true freshman to go to a Big Ten school, go look at Washington's schedule next year. It's, it's pretty rough. freaking bad. Um, and like pretty tough. Yeah. To ask a true freshman who's like 5'9", 180 to operate an offense with a pretty – like it's starting to become a little threadbare at wide receiver and the offensive line's been decimated. I think most of it's gone from last year. I mean, I – it's a big ask. So I think if you were banking on Jonah Coleman, I think you are, you're not, I don't think you're selling him, but I think you're just kind of, you know, holding on to him. And if he becomes uh, productive this year, great. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, as Washington, it's very tough to read what exactly is going to happen there. If it was, if, if, if he didn't Ted had gone there, I think we'd feel a little bit differently about the whole situation. But now, you know, trotting out a bunch of inexperienced guys here is just, tough overall like one or two guys sure but half the offense three quarters of the offense not not great yeah yeah i think this is gonna be a a rough year for for washington kind of like i mentioned a little bit earlier um they got to do something different at quarterback because like you said demond williams is a fun player um but he's not somebody that i want to be trotting out there as a true freshman against a big 10 schedule because like you said he's kind of small He's got to still put on a little bit of weight. He's fun. 
I don't think he's very refined as a passer. I think he would get eaten alive. So if they can't get the quarterback situation figured out, I think I'm avoiding everybody in this offense. Uh, if they can get Will Rogers back maybe, or somebody else that I would feel better about, uh, I would feel a little bit better about Jonah Coleman and Jeremiah Hunter um, as just kind of like the best in maybe not a best out of a not great group, but I, I think they're all kind of holds at this point. I'm not looking to buy anybody in this offense. Yeah. Um, so I already take back what I said last week about buying Jeremiah Hunter. Um, just, <laughs> just can't, can't do it with a true freshman out there. Um, all right, let's, uh, we, last week we talked buys and sells, but we only talked buys. Uh, we we did the episode ran, ran pretty long. So we said we'd hold off sells. We teased it a little bit, uh, for this week. So we're going to talk sells, uh, and we're going to talk about some, just some, some ambiguous position groups at this point in the off season places where just kind of looking as I'm kind of doing the initial run through of my rankings. Like I'm not, I'm not really sure who's going to be the guy. It's, it's pretty unclear. And so there's probably some value to be had if you can kind of figure it out early, um, whether by guessing or with a piece of information that, that maybe some other people don't have. Um, so that, that's the, the schedule here for tonight. Before we do that, head on over to home field apparel. Uh, I'm wearing a home field apparel uh, t-shirt right now, actually. Um, it's the WVU one that they sent me is a mystery mm. box. It's like a two mil fingers to me, yeah. um, which was very rude. But um, it's super comfy, so I wear it underneath things to make myself feel better about uh, wearing it as a pit fan. But I, super I would, comfy. I would say you should, if you select a mystery box, you should be able to pick a couple of teams, at least one just team. Just one. You don't yeah. want. Well, yeah. I would have said Penn State, so they wouldn't have protected me. Yeah, you would have. You'd rather West Virginia apparel yes. than Penn State. Yes. If I could just bulldoze the town of state college off the, the map, I a thousand percent would do it in like a heartbeat. It, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Well, I'd that's just, that, I'd push that that's button. a lovely, that's a lovely town. Ew. Really? Do you like state college? Um, I did in my twenties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had a German roommate, um, of my sophomore year of college and he, um, would go visit his girlfriend who was actually also, uh, living in new york at the time as a nanny in new york city he would i would take him to state college and he would catch a bus there sometimes on the weekends and go visit her and he'd always remark like state college supposed to be like a big town like <laughs> it's a big town only because it's in the middle of absolutely nowhere yeah it's uh it shocks me that 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 high school kids want to go play football there like just mind-blowing beyond the uh getting them in that stadium for a whiteout game there's like no nothing there's no other sales pitch that would make me want to go live in state college uh if i had an options so um just throwing that out there um home field apparel <laughs> promo code <laughs> campus can get you 50 percent off your first purchase if you've already made a purchase guys you know what to do make those extra email addresses i think i've got six or seven email addresses now um just just is what it is um, but yeah. All right. Five cells Colin. as we did last week, these are cell like we buy and sells at this time of the year. You know, everyone's talking about that. So what we wanted to do to kind of mix it up a little bit is that we wanted to choose five different kind of price brackets, um, you know, like a dirt cheap option and then kind of, you know, four that, you know, increase in value to a guy where it's like, he's probably a first ish round value and we're buying or we're buying him high. What's the discussion last week, this week we're selling high. Um, you know, selling a first round guy that we think might not be in that discussion 
this time next year. I'll start off with you, Colin. Let's start. We'll start cheapest again, just like we did last week. Who's a player that you are selling for just like whatever you can get for him at this point? Yeah, that's um, J. Michael Sturdivant, wide receiver for UCLA. It transferred in from Cal last year. There was a little bit of buzz about him. And, you know, we thought, okay, he could be a good option for Dante Moore if he ends up starting or Colin Schley or whoever ends up being the starting quarterback. Like, he could be a solid piece of this offense. Like, they probably won't be quite as run heavy as they were with Charbonnet. Uh, they might need to throw the ball a little bit more. And Sturdivant did absolutely nothing. 7.96 fantasy points per game, wide receiver 232, absolutely worthless. Uh, that quarterback situation, they have Garbers there, so like there's maybe a little bit of continuity, but I don't think they're going to let Garbers rip it in the Big Ten here or anything. So I don't see too much changing in terms of him for CFF production. He's a year one zero. Um, so I, at this point, am taking anything I can get for for Sturdivant. If it's if we're in the middle of of a draft of a sub draft like that, I feel like that's probably the best time to move him. And like you know, if somebody has an extra pick left over, maybe I'll trade my you know a trade Sturdivant for like their fifteenth round pick or, or something like that. Get anything I can get. I think you can get a little more than that for him, but um... you probably could. But I'm taking literally anything I can get. Well, speaking of guys that I'm selling for anything I can get, I'm selling now FSU wide receiver Malik Benson for anything I can get. I looked it up just to confirm because Colin and I were talking about this before the show. Um, we're in a mock actually where Colin took him, and I, I was like, you know, wh why did you do that? And like, what the seventh round? I think you took Benson. Sounds about right. And I, you know, I was like, why, why did you do that? And Colin, so I, I, I kind of like him, and I said he, I went and, and confirmed this, double checked last year. Of all the players on Alabama, Malik Benson, all the receivers in Alabama, Benson ran the third or played the third most pass snaps behind just Isaiah Bond and Tremaine Burton and ahead of guys like Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Law, Jalen Hale, Corey Brooks. In those snaps, he managed to get only in 199 snaps, he got only 21 targets, turned them into 13 receptions for 162 yards and one touchdown. That went, uh, worked out to a whopping 0.84 yards per route run. Above two is when we start talking about like that was just a solid season. It was atrocious for a room that lacked any sort of talent, any sort of you know real depth. He was awful. He was just out there running wind sprints essentially for the whole season. <laughs> and he's not. He was not a true freshman last year. He played his juke his two years at JUCO. So this is a guy who's entering his fourth year of college. And that's what he did in his his first kind of coming out performance. I, I I'm not buying it at this point. So I think anything I can get from Malik Benson, um, I'd be shocked if he ever becomes anything. Quite frankly, that anything I can get feels a little low. Um, I would probably flip Benson and your next one here in terms of value. Because, yeah, it, I did not realize that his yards per route run was as, as atrocious as it was. But I think it's an encouraging sign that he was at least on the field as much as he was. Uh, and oh, he's now at Florida State. And there is nothing at Florida State um, in terms of the wide receivers. They lose um, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell. Uh, Trey Benson caught a fair amount of passes. He's gone. They really only have Hakeem Williams, Vendrevious Jacobs. 
and Benson. So, and they have DJU, who's at least like a competent college quarterback. I know he's kind of the butt of jokes now, but I still think he's a competent college quarterback. So I'm not ready to give up on um, Benson, but after seeing some of those advanced stats on him not being good, uh, I think he is in the hold or sell category, and he's not uh, somebody that I'm buying. The only players in Alabama last year with a worst worst yards per route run at any position than Malik Benson. Tell me, stop me when you recognize a name, Colin. Danny Lewis Jr. Me and Danny go way back. Don't trash Danny. Robbie Oost, Oots, or however you say his last name. He's also at the, both of those are tight ends. In case you weren't familiar, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he's a tight end at Alabama, isn't he? <laughs> he is. Good. <laughs> okay, Good. I know that one. Jacory Brooks. He's atrocious. Yeah, but he's also Alabama. And Roydell Williams, the only players that had a worse yards per route run. Hey, Jace roster. McClellan had the same. Oh, Jace McClellan had the same. Okay, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So, so so tie with Jace check, McClellan. Checkmate behind behind studs like Cole Adams, C.J. Dupree, and Kendrick Law, and I'm Ryan Black. Just rough, 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 rough. Not not a good player. Um, I had to fight for my guy Isaiah Bond last offseason. All off offseason. Isaiah Bond's Malik Benson's way better. <laughs> Bite me. I don't think I ever said that. Not you. Others. Okay. Oh, Others. Okay. Not gonna name names. I was on the bond. I was on the bond. His name rhymes with well. Mike Schmallery and his schmo host, Schmori Schmarera. <laughs> but I'm not gonna name any names. That'd be rude. Not gonna do it. Not gonna do it. Uh, okay, well, my next one um, is Zeon Chris, wide res- or quarterback for Houston, um, coming over from Louisiana, UL. I think that Zeon Chris was a fun player at the G5 level. I think in that Louisiana offense, like he could have developed into like a fun fantasy option, but he actually wasn't quite as good as what I would thought he was as a fantasy player last year as a fantasy asset. He had three, he only had three games over 20 fantasy points, um, which is kind of disappointing. He only had two games over a hundred pass yards. So the games that he was doing anything was a lot of it with his legs or just some hyper efficiency. I don't think he's going to be able to do that at Houston. Uh, I think they're going to be in a little bit of a transition with Willie Fritz at head coach now. I think that they're, you know, the wide receiver room, they have Sam Brown. I think he's okay, but I don't love anybody else there. They Donovan Smith is still there. He is a body. I would presume (laughs) he is alive. (laughs) I would, I would presume that Chris would be the starter um, or at least have the leg up to be a starter. But Donovan Smith is there and has experience. And that schedule actually next year is pretty rough for Houston. They have Rice, they have UNLV, but they also get Oklahoma in the non-con, and then they play that Big 12 schedule. So that's kind of a rough one for me. I I think I would use this opportunity to sell Chris if you can. Um, I would probably take like a mid a mid sup pick for him, like a sixth, seventh, something in that range if I could get that. So. This is one we actually talked about this when I when we saw this on the the sheet last week. Um, 
And I, I think I disagree with you overall because I think you're underselling some of the players they actually have in this offense a little bit. I kind of like Stephon Johnson. I kind of like Joseph Manjack. Like they're a little oh, more limited of players, but I think they're okay. Like I definitely don't think they're they're bad, especially for the level that Houston's at. And I don't like I don't I don't want to pretend that like. I don't know that Donovan Smith is a significantly better player at this. Like he he's had a oh, year I'm, at that higher level, so maybe today he is more refined. But like I think he's the perfect guy to come in behind Smith. I for a lot of these teams like Houston, like if you're going to have a running quarterback at I've said this about the NFL for years and the Ravens are the only team that's figured this out. If you have a hard rusher at quarterback, you have to have the backups that can do the same exact skill set so that you don't have to change the whole offense if they're out. So I think a guy like Chris going to Houston is great because if Smith gets injured or if Smith's crap, they can go to the backup. And I think Chris can get in there and do some fun things. Now, I, I think it's going to depend on what you can, if you're getting, you know, something decent for him. Sure. But I don't mind having Chris sitting on my, my bench. I don't think he's any worse of a player than, um, um, you know, Thomas Castellanos, like overall, that's not a, like a, a, a shot at Castellanos. I don't, I don't think he's any worse than a guy like that who has made it work at the, at the power four now level. The thing with that is we've seen it at that level from Castellanos at a pretty high level for, well, sure. I mean, I value Castellanos more today, but yeah. I'm just saying like, I don't think he's any worse than Castellanos who has made it work at that level. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, like he's not like a, I'm selling him at it for anything I can get, but, I would I would move him for like a mid sub pick, like sixth, seventh rounder. You think you can get that? For Chris? Yeah, I think if people just kind of look at, you know, how he did last year, um, and remember some of those flashy games, I, I think you could probably get that. Fair enough. Fair enough. He finished um, last year as the QB twenty thirty-four. So actually not quite as good as you think. As the QB, what? 34. That's not that bad considering he didn't start the season at quarterback. Like, was that, is that, that's on game? a points per game. That's points per, points game. per game. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That's not bad. Um, I would have thought maybe six or seven spots higher than that. So that's not that far off where I would have guessed, but that's interesting. Um, my next guy is uh, in this tier, guys, uh, are the year <laughs> one zeros. And for the new listeners to our show, for the, you know, rolling in the new here, here. Uh, year one zero, a theory that we have where wide receivers, true freshman wide receivers have to hit some minimum thresholds, uh, production thresholds uh, in order to maintain any sort of future uh, NFL fantasy value. We found that essentially um, it's almost what six or seven times as likely, um, if not a little bit more than that, if a player uh, player hits one of these that they're going to succeed in the NFL. And it's not like it's I think the percentages are 18 percent, three percent. But that's a huge gap, especially at that level. Um, yeah. If you don't hit any of these thresholds, you have a basically a 3% chance of, of being fantasy relevant in the NFL. Um, now the guys that have hit it have hit it like in the future. Uh, DK Metcalf is one um, Jarvis Landry, Nico Collins just did it. So there are, you know, some guys that, that once they've gotten there and they've broken it, they, they've done, they've done well in the NFL, but um, the, the vast majority, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're falling off. So we basically can go in after a player's true freshman year if they didn't break out, we can say, well, this guy probably will never break out. This guy will probably never break out. This guy will probably never break out and so on and so forth. 
And that there's some top receivers on the list every year. You know, last year we got mm-hmm. guys like Brandon Innes, we got Jurion Dickey, we got um, you know, Cordell Russell, who we liked, Hakeem Williams at, at FSU, who you mentioned earlier. Um, plenty of of you know bigger names at the top of the list every year that that don't get it for one reason uh, or the other. Um, Noah Rogers last year as well. I'm selling all these guys. Shelton Even, Sampson, Nathan Leacock. Yep, those are those are two good names too. Thank you there. Because um, mm-hmm. I think there are still plenty of people out there who don't don't subscribe to the Year One Zero Theory or have never heard of us and aren't familiar with it. And they're sitting there saying this guy's a former five star receiver who can run a four four five, who's at LSU. Well, Shelton Sampson allegedly runs a four four five. I would be shocked if that was true. Um, and I'm going to go buy him because I can get him for cheap. And I think you can sell some of those guys depending on your league still for a decent amount. And the reason that it makes me believe that is because a couple of weeks ago, Felix Sharp, one of the founders here at Camp Cam, posted all of the year one zeros for all the, all the freshmen that qualified to be tested under this theory and said, which ones are you buying this offseason? And people were doing all sorts of hand wringing for Brandon Ennis, for Jurion Dickey, for Cordell Russell, for Shelton Sampson for uh, DeAndre Moore Jr. at Texas, for Hakeem Williams. There was all sort of, oh, well, you know, this happened, that happened. Let me tell you, this and that could have happened. They could have snapped their leg in half. It doesn't matter. Injury doesn't impact. Like, it just, if you don't do it, you don't do it. You find that guy in your league that thinks that, you sell him to him. The odds of you being right are so much higher than the other person. And that's really what we're playing here in odds game. Yeah, see, and that's, that's probably why I would flip Benson in the year one zeros is because I would start to take pretty much anything I could get for some of those guys. Now, I think you, like you said, if you can find somebody in your league that doesn't subscribe to the year one zero theory, uh, you can probably get a, a decent return on them still, because while I was making excuses for Ennis during the season, the fact that he has not hit it at this point is concerning I haven't nuked him totally because if he does get on the field, I think there could be some CFF value there, but not, not somebody that I'd be looking to buy at all. Definitely somebody I would look to sell if, if you can. And um, we just did, you know, a couple more doing a couple mock drafts and these guys are going a little bit higher than, than maybe what you would expect. And most of the people who are in the mock drafts, are people who you know subscribe to the to, to the website so they should at least be aware of the year one zero theory in theory in theory and we are going and to be they're expanding. still making excuses they are there people are. They are. people love to do that and i you know hand up i do that for some of my guys too but you know because technically technically roma dunze and jalen mcmillan would be now we're giving them a pass because they was the covid year and they only played four games. Yeah, but, they only played four games. That's really the only exception we've ever made was that the Pac-12 team specifically in 2020 because they mm-hmm. didn't play that many games. Like it was just yeah. almost impossible for for yeah. guys to get out there and do it. Right, in four games, like yeah. Jaylen, most of the yeah. most of them too. Like they'd have half the roster out for a game because they like, yeah you know, tested positive. You know, they did they, they test positive and they didn't travel or whatever. We had a bunch yeah. of games like that that year. So Elijah Badger was another one from mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. Um. There's one other one too that I I thought it was Sturdivant, but Sturdivant's the year after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there might be one more from that year. That at the time we were like, we'll give this yeah. guy a pass, but I don't remember who it was. But it's Jeremiah it's, Hunter. 
potentially. I he think Hunter. Be. I uh, might be Hunter. Might be Hunter. I'd have to look. I, said, I felt like it was somebody from Cal. Could be. But yeah, it could be. We'll see. We'll, we'll yeah. look it up. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's that. Um, year one zero from last year that you have ranked the highest right now, Colin. I know the rankings, like you said, we're kind of working through these live with you guys on these shows. My, mine is Ennis from this past year. Um, I have him at wide receiver. I have him at 82 right now after like wide receiver, like 60. I don't feel that great about what's going on. Like I'm still yeah. like, really feeling out a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, I have him in the same range right now as Malik Benson, Adam Randall, Bo Collins, Caden wow. Prather, Gary Bryant, Jr. Um, that that's the grouping I have him in right now. Technically, the highest year one zero that I have is Malachi Coleman at Nebraska. Coleman's not a zero. I thought he was a zero. No. What did he? Oh, I didn't know he hit one of those. Yeah. Then it would be Brandon Innes. I have Brandon Innes at 66 and Coleman at 65. Like you said, I kind of like that's just a range where I don't really have a great feel for that area yet. Um like I still have to kind of shake some of these out. Uh, but Gary Bryant Jr. is in that range for me as well. Caden Prather is in that range. Uh, Mario Williams. Kevin Coleman, Bo Collins. Has Mario Williams found a home yet? Tulane. Oh, that's right. Uh, him and Chaz Preston both going there. Yep. Yep. Remember that now. Um, yeah, Coleman hit two year one zero theory. Uh, thresholds last year 100 receiving yards is one of them and 115 total scrimmage yards is another he hit both of those so, did he hit him in like the bowl no they didn't go to a bowl game did they no i think he hit him in maybe the last game of the year mm, okay all right he was, well, I guess I he was close move. for a long time uh, he was close for a while uh okay i guess i gotta i gotta move him up then a little bit yes you i do. like that i like that yes, all right you do but yes ennis would be my my highest all right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can sell a lot of those guys for, for, um, you know, something, mm -hmm. some of the guys that, you know, transferred or situations are clearing up a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah. Nick Anderson would be my highest year one zero overall. I have a wide receiver 54. That might be the same for me. Um, I have him at, I need to find him here, but he, he'd probably be my highest too, if I had to guess. Uh, this is really bad radio, but yes, I think he would be my highest as yeah. well. Just looking through my rankings. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Um, 42, I have him at 42. So, okay. Yeah. Feels about right. Um, but that's just a CFF play for you. I'm assuming Correct. that's kind of my logic. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Um, all right. My next sell is Jaden Greathouse wide receiver for Notre Dame. So not a year one zero. He popped off week one, got the people buzzing and hyping, and then really didn't do too much after that. He ended up, I think, having like three touchdowns total and like 12 catches. Um, but there was like a whole evacuation of that wide receiver room. Um, so you might be able to use that a little bit as a selling point. Now, they do bring in Bo Collins and Chris Mitchell. I'm not biggest fan of those two but the fact that they you know brought them in i think they would probably play on the outside and kick Jaden greathouse on the inside which is what would 
be the best case scenario for him is putting him in like a big slot. But last year it was five touchdowns on 18 catches, actually. Uh, no games with more than three catches though. He was their seventh leading wide receiver on the team last year. So perception, I don't think really matches reality there with, with great house uh, because he, he's kind of living off that first game and in in his recruiting pedigree. So I'm, I would look to move great house. I would probably, if I could get like a fourth or a fifth for him, I would, I think you could probably still get that out there. So that'd be kind of the range I'd be looking to, to move him for. Yeah, it's interesting. I had somebody actually message me about Jaden Greathouse today um, in, in the mock run and just said, you know, what did I thought about the range that he went in? Um, and I just said, you know, I, I think I'm probably out on him at the 606 is where he went. I, I'm probably out at that price um, just because I think he confirmed everything we thought about him last year. You know, he wasn't the most productive freshman receiver on that team. It was Rico Flores. Mm-hmm. Um, and we said, you know, he, he's a guy that I think we think it, it, the further along he goes in his career is going to struggle more and more to get open because he's just not very athletic, um, kind of a, a tweener body type. Um, I like, I don't think he could bolt the tight end. I, I don't think he could do it. No. So, um, just, just a tough player. We did say, you know, we think just based on how t- skilled he is, he could probably be really good in college, but maybe Notre Dame's a bit too big for him overall in terms of like level of you know play i'm, I don't I'm even interested know. to see what riley leonard does with yeah. everybody there this year and mike denbrock who i think can get the best out of riley leonard who i'm not a huge fan of but i think it's about the best case scenario for everybody there with that pairing yeah i don't necessarily know that notre dame is too high of a level for great house but i don't think that offense passes enough that you could get the cff volume and production that we would want out of great house so yeah sure. I, he's he's a guy that i'd be looking to to move yeah that is uh that's fair enough there um next up for me is daquan finn daquan finn the uh former um uh toledo quarterback he's now transferred to uh baylor this offseason which i was a little surprised about um because finn he's not a very good passer he just really hasn't been at the, at the Mac level, which is, if not the worst conference in the country, pretty freaking close to it. Um, if you go look at his, you know, passing stats last year, um, really, really struggled in a lot of games. Uh, you know, in that that Mac championship game, uh, he completed fifty percent of his passes. Um, you know, the game before that against CMU, he completed fifty percent of his passes. Actually, completed fewer than 60% of his passes in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games last year and under 65% in two others. So this is a guy that just has really, you know, kind of gotten by with his mobility. I think that's a little less special at a school like Baylor, a school like Baylor that I'm not really sure what's around him at wide receiver. I know, um, you know, some of the the folks with us, they like um, uh, Monterey Baldwin, the, the, the really, really speedy wide receiver they have. Um, but outside of, of Baldwin, I, I don't know what you can point to and say, you know, this is a, a really talented receiver room. Um, they, they struggled last year. I think they'll struggle again this year offensively as a whole. Um, and and so I think Finn is a guy that, you know, I, what did he complete overall last year? He had he actually did finish the season with 63% completion percentage because he did have one or two games in there that were like 80 plus percent. 
I would venture he's no higher than 60% next year. And I think it's going to be really tough for him as a runner to compensate for that, especially because last year he only went over 100 yards once in the MAC, which is, you know, again, a lower level of athlete. Yeah. I think uh, the thing with Finn is he is not a great passer, but the value that he brings is fantasy related. And it's with his legs. Now, is that going to translate to Baylor? I think is the big question. I think it's encouraging that he, they, that Big Ten or a Big Twelve school was interested in Finn and interested in bringing him in. Um, and there's nothing else in that QB room at Baylor. Blake Shapen transferred out. Sawyer Robertson showed last year that he's not it. There's really nothing else there. So. Finn is probably going to have a fairly long leash. Um, and I think he could be interesting with, with his, his rushing ability. So I get the cell logic there, but I think there's a lot of people who think like you do and that he's a cell. So I don't know necessarily what you could get for him. See, I disagree because I think a lot of people have, have not actually watched him play. I, I mean, think I think they just have heard like runner in the Mac. This is great. He's he like he he that's a, he could maybe have taken a step up to another G five, but I don't know that. Yeah, I think Baylor's is it's going to be an interesting transition for him. They like said I he's probably more of a hold for me. Um, I would be willing to sell him, but I'm not like selling him at all costs. What would you look to get back for Finn if you're looking to move him? I think you could get a good skill, uh, CF like a college fantasy skill position guy, running back or wide receiver. Um, I think you could shoot for the um, like a Joey Hobart from Texas State kind of tier. I also have him around Colin Lacey, Sam Brown, Nick Anderson, Will Shepard. I think you could shoot for that level of player and probably get it back because quarterback I, is, you know. I definitely king. think you could get that back. I do too. And that's, it's, it's, you know, usable, um, you know, capital on the return that I know, you know, what the, what to me, what's my, what am I getting here? What am I going to use this player for? What is their utility? You know, is he a future NFL guy? Is he a stash? Is he going to produce for me now? All those guys probably going to produce for me now. So I think you can probably get that kind of player back for him. Fair enough. I, I think I see a little bit more upside fantasy wise from him, uh, but we'll see. See how it shakes out. Uh, my next one is Donovan Edwards running back for Michigan. He's returning. Um, so I think that you have people who are probably hyped up uh, that he's returning, presuming he's going to be the guy at Michigan next year, which has produced multiple CFF uh, viable running backs. It's put running backs into the NFL. And he had that big game against Washington in the national championship that everybody saw, you know, he went six for one Oh four and two. So you got to see his explosiveness in that game, but do you know how many yards he had um, on the rest of the year? If you exclude that national championship game. Uh, less than 300, I would guess. 393. Okay. 
393 and three touchdowns. Okay. If you exclude that national championship game. So it was not, not a good year for him. And I think that offense as a whole is going to take a pretty big step back next year with JJ McCarthy going pro with Corum going pro. And I don't have this definitive, but as again, as I've been working through the, um, the returning production database with with Nick, which we are uh, working diligently on, and hope to have that out, you know, in the relatively near future. Um, likely, all five starters for Michigan on the offensive line are going to be gone, and two others who played 280 snaps or more. So they have seven offensive linemen who could go or have to go. Um, I haven't really followed up with which NFL guys or which. Lyman have declared early for the NFL when they could have come back for another year. Um, we're still, like I said, working our way kind of team by team. We're not to Michigan yet, but I don't think that offensive line is going to be that great next year. Probably won't be terrible, but it won't be nearly as good as what it is. So I, I think Edwards is a guy that I would sell immediately if I can. Yeah. I think, you know, capitalizing on some of these big bull performances um, is, is really, really smart. Um, and it goes either way because I, I well i think the opposite side of it is people are saying you know well that that back book clears out you know blah 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 i think of the opportunity he's got a three down skill set um but i think if you're drafting a player this far into their career who has shown at least one massive fatal flaw if they aren't fixing it immediately like people it's after year one you can kind of get away with the this guy's holding his value because even though he hasn't shown that he can, you know, do X yet run between the tackles and Donovan Edwards case, he can learn how to do that. If like, we're not in the, he can still learn how to do it phase. Right. For, yeah. for a lot of these guys, like we've, we've kind of already seen what's, what's going on here and it, it probably isn't pretty. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with Edwards too. Um, and then I think you can use, I mean, we, in some of the mocks that we do and, and I have some other mocks that I've seen on Twitter, like, People still like Donovan Edwards. So I think you can still get good value back. Like you can pair down to a CFF type of a guy like a Jade Knott, LaQuint Allen, RJ Harvey, and pick up a supplemental pick too. Um, you know, if, if you're just talking strictly supplemental picks, like you could probably get an early second, maybe a late first for him. Mm, be interested to see i just did a debbie draft uh, or i am in the process of doing not a, a debbie mock um with uh, a bunch of kind of who's who been around the industry uh for a while kind of of folks um and he went earlier than i thought he would in this draft where did he go he went, he second went, round, he went think, to 211 right? yeah. yeah yeah that's um ahead of some other running backs he went ahead of um ashton genty omari and hampton uh, Katron Allen, Jordan James, Raheem Sanders, Jade Knott, Caleb Jackson. Um, I would have taken uh, probably most of those guys ahead of him. I'd have to look exactly at my rankings, but I have Edwards in the 40s, I think. So not 29 now that all the guys have been taken out. I think he was in the 40s before that. I have, I also have him at RB29. Interesting. Who's your RB28? Uh, RJ Harvey. Oh, okay. That's been fun if we had the same guy. But I had uh, who's yours? I have uh, LaQuint Allen there for now. Okay, I have LaQuint at twenty five. 
So a little bit higher, but yep. same range. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. Like, I think you could, and I think most people would, I think a lot of people out there would value Donovan Edwards more than LaQuinn Allen or um, an RJ Harvey type guy. So I think, like I said, I think you can tear down from Edwards and get one of those guys and something on top. Um, my, my fourth guy here is Barry and Brown at Kentucky. And this is another kind of capitalizing on a bull performance where he, um, had a lot of success uh, as a kick returner, caught a long touchdown on, um, what was either some sort of broken coverage or a guy fell down or something like that. Um, but overall last year, you know, I think he was a, a little disappointing, and again, this is another one of those guys that was interesting and exciting to buy year one, year two, because the rawness can be explained away. Um, but you start getting further and further along. And while the kind of tools are really, really intriguing, um, it's it's tough to think of him as more than like, I think he can go to the NFL and succeed no matter what as a returner. But if we're talking consistent wide receiver, um, I think he's still a couple of years away from doing that. I mean, his, he, he caught fewer than 50% of the passes thrown his way last year. Um, not great there. Uh, only four touchdowns on the year. Um, his, his kind of explosives were a little lower than I think. So, I mean, maybe it's a, a little bit of a usage issue. You know, the, the, they're not quite using him as the field stretcher he can be. But I do think that he has some um, tools to, to, to learn to be a, uh, you know, a really good wide receiver. You know, he's got loose hips. He's got some suddenness to his game. He, he's able to break down his feet uh, quickly and explode out. He's got, you know, kind of that, that, that dip out of breaks that, that you can really kind of explode uh, and create some instant separation. So he's a guy that I think is really, really interesting. You know, another guy last year, 1.8 yards per route run. So um, not great. And the other part of his game that I think is actually uh, notable is that he only had five missed tackles forced last year. According to PFF. That's kind of surprising. Yeah. And this is a guy that, you know, is a good returner. And, um, uh, you know, PFF is pretty generous on their, their missed tackles force a lot of the time. So um, for him to only have had five is, is pretty jarring as well. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a sell. I, I still see him going in the second or third rounds of startup. So I think you can probably get that level of value back for him. Um, and I, I certainly would if I can get. Um, that for him, I, I would do it guys that, you know, I think you can trade for around him almost straight up. And I know it's hard to kind of do it at the same position. So maybe you have to pivot to a different position and I can talk about that here too, but guys I have around, you know, I think I, I have Isaiah bond ranked a little higher than him. I think you could probably, you could possibly get bond. Maybe not now that he's headed to Texas. Um, I have Travis Hunter around him, Matthew golden, Deuce Robinson. Um, I think those are all guys that I would try to target if I'm looking at a different position. Um, maybe I'm starting to look at uh, Devin Neal, Caleb Jackson at LSU, uh, running backs, um, Ruben Owens at Texas A&M, Cam Selden. Uh, I think you could like get that. somebody paired with those guys, too, like a pick or something. Yeah, probably, probably, probably plus, plus. Yeah, yeah, I think so. My, the most difficult thing that I have right now is like the, like how many wide receivers are leaving. Uh, like this in this year. So like you're getting so many guys that I had ranked ahead of him that are gone. I still have Barry and Brown as my wide receiver 12. So like, I agree with what you're saying. And I think he could definitely be a sell. And especially with kind of the round, like I would not feel great picking him in like the 
back end of the second or anything like that. Like, but I have a hard time putting too many other wide receivers ahead of him. I mean, I, I get that because it's just kind of the um, oh, what's it? It's called anchoring, where like yeah. you've had a guy ranked at a certain spot, and so you like you know you just kind of that that's what's keeping him there. But I think if you just look at what they've done over the past couple of years, I don't know that it, you can really rationalize perfectly um, that, that that should be the case. But where where do you have him ranked? So I have him just outside the top 10 as well. But it's just the case of, you know, I, I need to kind of figure out the wide receivers are really not very good right now in, yeah. in college. In case, yeah. Like just with how big this class is, like, mm-hmm. and I, I think I think Eugene Wilson is a good player. In no world should I be getting to him in my top 15 wide receivers if there's like legitimate depth mm-hmm. there. And you're yeah. tempted to put him in that range because there's just He's nothing else there right for now. Me. Yeah, I mean, once the freshman slot in, I'm going to have a couple yeah. guys that, that'll bump him yeah. down. But I mean, uh, Kevin Concepcion should not be in that range. He's in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Some of these guys. It's just it's I, not, not a have, great time for wide receivers. I still have all three of the Texas guys. I have them ranked seven, eight, nine right now. And I don't love that to be honest, but like, I, I like the players themselves. So it's, it's tough. It's a tough situation right now. Wide receiver. Yeah, it is. Uh, My last sell here is Shador Sanders quarterback, Colorado. Um, I think he's kind of on par with Edwards, but I do think there's definitely some people out there who are big Shador Sanders fans and they think of him as an NFL quarterback. And, you know, I'm not quite there yet. And I also think that there's he's not as good of a CFF quarterback as what people thought. Um, he didn't even finish as a QB2 last year. On a points-per-game basis, he finishes a QB25. He had three games under 15 fantasy points um, and a fourth game under 20 fantasy points. Uh, 45% of his production came from three games. He had 39 point fantasy points against USC, 37 against Stanford, and 33 against TCU. Uh, with Sean Lewis at the helm, he had five games with 300 yards passing uh, and four games with four-plus touchdowns. And without Sean Lewis, he had zero games over 300 yards and zero games with three or more touchdowns. So Sean Lewis leaving definitely impacted the volume there. I don't really trust Pat Shermer as an offensive coordinator. I don't think he's, I don't think Shador Sanders is going to get the CFF volume that you saw at the beginning of the year last year. I still not really there on him as an NFL quarterback. Like I said, I mean, I, I, we'll see where he ends up getting drafted, but I, I just don't see the skill set right now. So I would look to sell him because I don't know where I'm getting any sort of value for like for my team. So I would trade him off and try and get somebody else. And I think you could get a decent return for him. Um, I would think you could get a first round supplemental for him. Um, Hope maybe in the top half, depending on the way your league values freshmen. But I would be looking to sell Sanders. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's really just going to depend on your league. But there is somebody out there who who will like him. So, um it's always always risky kind of selling one of those guys because i mean you could have sold like like bo nix or michael Penix or something last year not really thinking that much of them and then they become you know some sort of moderately legitimate Jane draft Daniels. prospect at least within the the greater discussion of things so um who'd you say Jaden daniels Jaden daniels sure although i some of them. i think people some people thought he might lose his job this year so i'm not sure yeah. that he 
I quite put him in there. But yes, he's another guy that rebounded uh, very well as well. Um, last guy for me real quick here is just CJ Baxter, the, the rising second year running back at Texas. Um, people don't realize how bad he was last year. Um, if you're a rush yards over expected fan, um, uh, he was like atrocious, <laughs> like bottom percentiles. His really, his big run last year, statistically, that kind of buoyed a lot of his stats was the fake tush push shovel pass option that he took against kansas state that sounds right that game kansas state or iowa state that he took like 65 yards to the house where they literally put him in space 1v1 with somebody and like he would i mean he was just gone like he was just a better athlete than the the guy that he encountered um other than that baxter was not particularly good um i do think the the room there has proven deep enough where i i don't think he's going to be like the guy quote unquote um, but I think he's still going in the first round of startups from what I, I can tell, or, or very, very close to a top 15, 16, uh, at worst. Um, I'm pivoting off him for pretty much any other guy in that, that range. You know, I think at this point I'll probably take justice Haynes over him at cost. I would prefer Caleb Jackson and Roderick Robinson, um, who, who's at Georgia there as, as kind of guys that are right behind him. Um, other running backs in that, well, that's, that's probably the kind of the cutoff and tier. Although I see him going ahead of Nicholas Singleton. And I think I'd prefer Singleton over him at this point. Um, Raheem Sanders is iffy. Um, I want to see if he loses some weight this offseason or not um, before I make that determination. Um, you know, if we're talking wide receivers in that range, I, I would take the big three, Evan Stewart, Luther Burden, Ted McMillan over him. I would take Emekic Book over him. I'd take Zachariah Branch over him. I think you can uh, just for, I mean, I would take Carnell Tate, Jonte Cook over him as well. Um, Isaiah Bond for sure too. Um, I mean, these are all players that I would take over him if I was in a startup, uh, tomorrow. So, um, hmm. I, I, it's tough. And actually this year's drafts from what I'm seeing, once I hit like pick like 20 ish or so, it's real rough. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not feeling like great about options in there. Um, so tough to, tough to say a lot more players that I would, uh, get ahead of him than that. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I, I definitely, if it's being kind of rough after you hit like a certain point, like, back end of the second round but i am still a believer on baxter i know he wasn't particularly great last year like you said outside of that one big run he wasn't super efficient um and i do think that Jadon blue is going to play a role in that backfield but sark loves hyping up the fact that he always has a thousand yard rusher and if you make me decide who is going to be the thousand yard rusher there between baxter and blue I think it's Baxter. So I think you're going to get some CFF production out of Baxter. And I, I still like his, his skill set for the NFL size speed guy. Uh, also a pretty good pass catcher. Didn't really do it a lot in college, but uh, from all reports in like the seven on seven and like the different circuits and camps and stuff, he looked really good as a pass catcher. Uh, so I, I still like his skill set. I still like that. He's a Texas. Uh, he's my RB one. Now, do I feel great about that? No, not particularly great about that. Um, Quinshawn's right there, but with Quinshawn at Ohio State, you know, you lose some of the CFF value that you were hoping to get out of Quinshawn. Um, Travion is right there as well. Kind of the same deal. Justice Haynes, I have it four. Maybe, I don't know, but I, I just, 
I don't feel real great about Baxter at one, but he is my one right now. So I would not sell him. I still believe in him enough. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. It's your funeral. I mean, at the same time, you just sell all of your top guys and you're probably going to be right more often than you are wrong. Potentially. Yeah. Trade them up to the NFL if you can. That's what I usually like to do. That's what I probably would do if I already had Baxter. I'd probably try to flip him. That would be the move, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh, same with Shadur, quite frankly. I think you could start yeah. getting into some, you know, Shadur Sanders or Kirk Cousins. Kirk. I would take Kirk in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, I well, think that's... my only hesitation on that is we don't 100% know where Kirk's going to be. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Uh, if he ends up in Pittsburgh, I mean, this is just a nightmare. So I think that's a great spot for him. But I... Um, I was... I was just poking fun. I know. I think um, I think the thing about Kirk with the point in the career that he's at is that he's probably going to go to a team that's pretty good offensively. Like I can't imagine Kirk Cousins just choosing like an awful team with no weapons because they'll offer him a little bit more cash. Like I don't I I don't think that that's what's going to happen. And I'm not sure if like if you're a bad team with a lot of cash, you're probably drafting one of the receiver the quarterbacks this year anyway. So I do think that a guy like Kirk um, ends up. Um, you know, I don't, the, the Raiders or mm. the Steelers or, um, Falcons, I, the Falcons just seem like Justin Fields is bound. Like that's just what that feels I, like to me. You know? I hope so. But if we get, if we get Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, I doubt it. I doubt it, but I don't need to cry on air here. We can move past this, move into our next topic uh should we do do we want to do another topic here we can do a couple of these and then do a couple next week how's that sound or we could just move them all to next week and just hit the the last very last thing we're doing great with that we're doing great with that mm-hmm. all right yeah let's skip that let's just push that the next week okay tune in next week tune in Two next weeks week. in a row yeah um one other thing we're gonna start this week guys is our freshman profiles and if you've never listened to the show before uh we do at campus canton a whole uh freshman and supplemental draft guide that comes out uh the first of march every year um, just kind of highlighting from like the fantasy and, and Debbie perspective, uh, what we expect out of the class. We, um, you know, aren't afraid to, to push against some of the guys that are highly rated by the services, you know, notably over the past couple of years, um, who haven't, we, 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 we haven't like the Manuel Henderson, who was the number one running back in the class, um, really around the same year. Yep. Yep. And if you're saying who, uh, to both those guys, yeah, that's why, <laughs> um, certainly we, we get stuff wrong and let's not pretend like that's the case, but, um, you know, I think we're not afraid to, to kind of push back, um, be interesting. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, to spoil yet who our big guy that's highly rated that we hate this year. Uh, and we might dislike him more than we've disliked any other top rated player ever in the history of our website. Um, now you have me curious who this guy is. I'm not, I'll have really? to, I don't know off the top of my head. I'll have to, I'd have to look. Interesting. You, you I can't believe you can't guess who this is. I might be able to just not on the spot. Yeah. You, you should be able to. Um, but so we do, we do a whole guide. It comes out March 1st. It's got um, usually 180 players is what we put into it because that's 15 uh, rounds of a 12 team supplemental draft is what essentially, and we do put some non freshmen in there as well, because you can take uh, free agents, you know, that they were from the previous year. So we do highlight um, the top, you know, 30 of those guys or something like that, um, just to give you an idea there. Um, but we, we do on the pod here, one a week, uh, each of us pick a, a freshman. Uh, we just kind of go through our notes. We talk about um, where we think we're taking them in supplemental drafts. Um, and we're going to kick it off this week. So, um, Colin, take it away. 
So my first guy here had to do a little bit of Homer. Uh, it's it's uh, Quentin Martin, the athlete uh, going to Penn State. And presumably, all indications are that he's going to be played at running back. Uh, he's 6'1 and a half, 205 is what he's listed at. He's a little tall to the RB position, a little bit thin in the lower half. But with Penn State's strength program, I think they're going to get him the build that he needs to be at for running back. Um, but Quentin Martin is one of those like athletes that like he was truly an athlete in high school. Uh, he has 82 touchdowns over his four year career, 55 rushing 21 receiving four on special teams and two on defense. Uh, he's, you know, I think versatility is his strongest attribute. 92 career catches, 1400 receiving yards uh, he can win downfield uh, if you need him to. He was split out wide a ton, but he's at the be- at his best with the ball in his hands in open space. I think he has good open field vision. He sets up blocks downfield pretty well, um, and and he likes to just kind of get it and get upfield. Uh, mostly kind of a one cut guy, uh, and he's clocked at twenty one and a half miles per hour by a recruiting team. So that's kind of what you want to see in that that speed, especially with his size. So he's got the long speed. He can score pretty much any time he touches the ball. Uh, he's very shifty as well. He can make defenders miss in in, op- in open field. Um, I, I think two, three of my concerns for him. He lacks explosiveness a little bit. Um, you know, he he doesn't get to top speed as quickly as you might want him to. Um, he's due to his height. He's an upright runner as well. He kind of has a difficulty lowering his pad level and like using and running with power and powering through tacklers, especially for his size. So I'd want to see more of that. And then the last thing, and my biggest concern is that like with versatility and splitting time between RB wide receiver, he doesn't really have a great skill set at either position right now. And a little bit more of a projection. He's right now kind of a tweener. I think he'll get there, but uh, it's because I do like Martin overall, but that is probably my biggest worry about him. I think the 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 natural comp for him is a guy like Rashad White, who maybe yep. isn't like the savviest runner in the world. I mean, it's definitely not what's gotten him consistently on the field in the NFL, and it's certainly not what um, has gotten him a ton of fantasy points this year. But he's a guy that is um, a really good receiver, um, can can you know pick up yardage once he gets into space, and I think that's kind of the projection uh, for, for Martin. Um, and I'll be interested to see how he develops as a, as a rusher, a guy that's from out here, um, Mm -hmm. close to me actually in Pittsburgh. So yeah, Pennsylvania guy. So it makes sense that he's going home to play Penn, play at Penn state. I'm going to choke you. (laughs) So, uh, and he's my RB one. Where did you use? What is, what is he for you? Um, so he's my RB one as well. Oh, I'm, I don't grade on the site. So, you know, my grades aren't like factored into that at all, but I have seen your grades and mine's not quite as high um, as, as what yours is. It's like uh, just a little bit below it, but I would be the second highest. All right. Well, I chose uh, my RB two on the year here and that's David Eziamume, um, six one, depending on where you look between two Oh five and a little over two ten. Uh, he is from North Cobb, Georgia, which is a you know, higher level high school football there in Georgia. Pretty good level of comp. Uh, and he is headed to Clemson, uh, which I think is a really, really good 
spot for him. And I'll talk about that here in a second. Um, and we are just straight up higher on him than the services are. Um, if you go look at where they all have him, I'm not exactly sure what the deal is. Um, on three has him at 17. Uh, Rivals has him at five, but we don't really listen to Rivals that much. And then 24-7 and ESPN have him at 35 and 33, respectively. So it works out for about uh, RB23 uh, in the country. So still you know, a little lower um, than I, I, I would probably have listed him. Um, but I, I love this kid. I think he's got kind of that chunky, thick frame that, that you really like with kind of the, the bigger lower half that's built a little lower to the ground, even though he is six foot one. Um, he certainly looks like when he plays, he almost looks like he's more like 5'10", 5'11", just because of the pad level that he plays with, I think is really, really good. He's got um, decent long speed. Um, you know, it's not amazing, but I think it's it's more than good enough. It, and um, I'm actually pulling it up here real quick just to make sure um, that I'm not misleading everybody because we do have some athletic memberships or yeah, uh, measurements for him. Um, as Yamume, we have as a... Uh, 50th percentile athlete. His speed is 66th percentile. Uh, we have his power at 79th percentile. His burst is a little low at 23rd percentile. Uh, but uh, a guy that um, is is pretty um, solidly built and pretty athletic overall. Um, he's got experience as a wide receiver. He looks pretty natural running routes. So that's always something that you like to see because um, some of these guys, it's a real mystery when they're coming into college. He's very physical, very tough to bring down. Once he gets a full head of steam, you just really don't want to get in front of him because he's going to lay the the boom on you. Um, and I think the thing that I really like about him with his footwork, when you watch some of these guys, especially coming out of high school, that are a little – they'll let their feet get really far outside of their frame, which kind of throws your base off. It makes it a lot tougher for you to um, explode quickly you know, and you know, change direction quickly, but also kind of um, throws off your contact balance a little bit if you're too wide. Um, if you want an example of a player who is the best I've ever seen at it, B. John Robinson plays within his frame all the time. If you go watch him, just his, his feet, his legs are pretty squarely within it. And I think Ezio Mume plays very well within his frame as well. That's a, a thing that I really like to see from high school running backs. I think it's kind of difficult to teach. Um, like if you have that explosiveness, uh, you either have it or you don't. Um, he's not super elusive. Um, he, he's... This is not a direct comp because, you know, I think for him, I, I would never feel comfortable comping a player at this level. But how he plays reminds me a little bit of Nick Chubb. Okay. In terms of the the kind of player, the style of player that he is. And obviously, again, I'm not comparing him. I'm not saying that I expect that level out of him. But I think that's the kind of player that he is. Going to Clemson here, they have uh, Will Shipley leaving. They have Phil Moffa there. And then some other guys that are like, okay. Um, we're going to probably assume that Moffa is gone after this coming year. I the, the Clemson doesn't play the portal at all. Yeah. So I'm not that worried. They're going to go find somebody unless Dabo drops over dead and they bring in a coach that's going to bring this program into 2024. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, it's always possible that they bring in some running backs next year, running back next year. That's, that's a uh, quality that can compete with this guy. Um, but that's not really how Clemson has chosen to operate. So I'm, I'm kind of just leaning on. I think he's kind of the next guy there. I think we'll see a little bit of him, especially as the season goes on there with the depth uh, issues that they have. So Ezio Mume is my RB2. Um, I have him ranked squarely as a, like a tier two running back, like a four-star kind of guy uh, in our ranking set. Um, and I am uh, pretty excited for him. I think I'm our highest uh, grader on him, by the way, but not 
like buy like an abnormal amount. Yeah, I, I really like Ezumume as well. I don't know what the services are are seeing um, that he is so low there. Because, um, I mean, 24-7 has him as a three-star. And, and, you know, like uh, the RB34. And there's definitely not 34 running backs in this class that are better than him. I, I have him as my RB2 right now as well. Um mostly because I don't love some of the top guys, but he, I, I, I do. And I do agree with you too, that it's a f- fairly safe projection for him to be the next guy up at Clemson because they don't play the portal game because they haven't brought recruited the running back position at a very high level the past two years after Shipley and Maffa. Um, so they don't really have anything else behind him. I think, Ezi Mume is is good enough to enter this year as the RB two, um, once once like games kick off in the fall. So, I I do like Ezi Mume a lot as well. All right, well that's gonna do it for tonight's show, guys. Um, check out everything we have over at campustocanton.com. Good time of the year to get in there if you're studying rookies. We've got all sorts of different tools, rankings that you need there. Um, and if you're looking for freshman supplemental content, we are obviously producing that as well as i mentioned uh you can check out the youtube page we're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers over there we're very very close i believe we're within 70 now so um nice. we, we, we've been gaining a ton over there uh very very rapidly um so go check out that and then check out all the other shows on the podcast feed guys chasing the natty back to debbie debbie debate can't bound um uh the cfp winning edge show goes on there as well all that good stuff uh, all available for you and uh i'm i'm, I'm just gonna say it now this train is not stopping anytime soon. We've got so much stuff that we're planning on adding already to the 2024 20, year to the website. Um, I, I would recommend for sure getting on the train now. You can get in as little as $2.99 per month, gets you a pretty hefty portion of the site, mm-hmm. um, quite frankly. A lot of other price points there uh, for you as well. We'll see you guys next week. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.